Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Eurovision newbie from Canada. Today we're going to be discussing the 1998 Eurovision Song Contest from my home country, the UK, but not my hometown, Birmingham. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, going back to 98, let me just tell you, the hair and fashions brought back like a few memories for me. Yeah. um, Never has a pantsuit been so represented at Eurovision, I would wager. (laughs) Yeah, it, it really has not aged well. It did not. It did not. What? Is, so tell. Let's talk. What are your overall thoughts on this on this um, year's contest, Chris? So as I say, this is the only time the UK's hosted in my lifetime. But I remember. I mean, I, I say that only time it's hosted. I can't. I don't know if it's hosted between nineteen eighty seven and ninety eight. But it's definitely the only one I ever remember if it has hosted within that time frame. Right. Um, I, I, and my sort of memories where it felt a bit more modern than it is but looking back i mean probably did feel very modern at the time yeah but it's not aged well at all it does feel very dated no i really had to keep reminding myself because i was feeling quite critical while i was taking notes that i had to keep reminding myself this is from 1998 so like maybe they just didn't have the technology to give it more pizzazz but there had to have been something more they could do it felt quite bland to me there was a distinct lack of like spectacle there yeah. there was much going on i mean you think back to the um, 1988 eurovision where i Ireland had that really futuristic looking stage. Yeah. They did a better job of making it feel more modern than yes. 10, day, t- 10 years later. I agree. I was actually um, thinking that as well, that like if 88 could, was it 88 or 87? 88. But like if, if that one um, had just as much or more sort of flash and pizzazz than the 98th and like 98 was doing it wrong i think there could have been more maybe not like the you know big uh screens and like all of the special effects that we're used to today but i mean like don't tell me they didn't have a fog machine in 1988 okay (laughs) i mean (laughs) they had wind machines they could have had more and then even the performances themselves didn't bring a lot of flash. I mean, I did make a joke about the pantsuit and I'm not going to judge a performance based on, you know, what they're wearing. No. Um, but. We have no time for the Barbara Dex award here. I don't know what that is. I assume it's fashion related. <laughs> it, it is. It's um, an award and I don't agree with it. Um, awarded to the worst fashion choice of a Eurovision contest. Oh, that's tacky. So it's, it's a mean-spirited award. So we, not, let's not get... Yeah. No, we won't We won't do that here today. But I will say that uh, the, even the performances themselves, it really didn't seem like they were as um, glamorous as what I would be used to seeing at any of the Eurovisions that we've seen so far, including those that predated the 1998 one. Yeah, and you got to remember... 1998 isn't that long ago. Right. I mean, 22 years. It's not like, that long at all. It's, I mean, I was very, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was well into my, you know, years. I was like, I was uh, not a young 
<laughs> I don't know. I was like 98 that I would have been in high school. Like, so it's not that no. long ago. You're right. No. And I mean, we were, you know, 1998. It was only a few months later in time. We were panicking about the millennium bug. Right. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> uh, that seemed that it wasn't a big deal after all. Little did we know, 22 years later, there would be a real bug that yes. <laughs> would ruin our damn lives. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, so my big, big notes were that in addition to there kind of being a lack of spectacle that I thought really kind of took away from my viewing experience. The other thing for me, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, Chris, is that like, remember last week when we were talking about how there really seems to be kind of some diversity in the types of songs that win and that if it's always a ballad that wins, then we're going to end up with a, you know, like a whole Eurovision contest of nothing but ballads. And that would yeah. be really boring. And like, I feel like this show kind of epitomized that for me. It was just varying degrees of pop ballads for yeah. me. I found it very hard to differentiate between the songs. I went through and did uh, a recap um, where, you know, like snippets of each song is played and tried to refresh my memory. And still, I could not hum a single tune for you right now. <laughs> now, you were a mu musician and I am not. So maybe my ear is just not refined enough. But like, what did you think about the songs themselves for me there's a handful of great songs a few songs which are dreadful and just a load of meh in the middle I basic mean, vanilla like yeah yeah basic uh, bees these songs were i've got about four songs so i, I give everything when like a spur in a moment score out of 100 when i'm scoring these to give myself my rating mm. and I don't really look back at or consider what else I've put. I'm just like, yeah, this feels like a 79, for example. Right. <laughs> and oh, that's I, funny that you do it that way. Yeah, um, and I managed to put four songs all on the same mark, middle of the pack. They ended up 13th, four of them in joint 13th. So wow. dead centre of the pack on the same score because they were just unmemorable. Yeah, I mean, it sounds as if you had even more of a preference than I did, because I had no clear favorites. I had none that I hated. All of them were really kind of like, eh. So my ranking, it is like, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, because <laughs> the one that I put in last place could very well have been first. Like, that, really, I didn't care about any of them. Wow. I know. Isn't that <laughs> terrible? I'm so sorry. I will say, I mean, there are a few that stood out for me a little bit just because they gave a bit of a refreshing something. So um, the UK was one, Israel was one, both of which scored very highly. So I'm not surprised by that. Germany was another. It was just like a little yes. bit. Yeah, Germany I really liked. But it was like just a little bit of a departure from like the pretty bland pop ballads of every single other performer. So I'm not going to say there were none that were memorable. But generally speaking, I like I didn't have any clear favorites and I didn't have any I hated. And that makes for a pretty bland experience. Yeah, um, it was overall bland. Like I say, yeah. <laughs> like I say I've got five songs that I really enjoyed that were very close to me at the top. But then yeah. my, my scores drop off from like the 90s and high 80s down to like 50s. Right. It was okay, it's so, a cliff edge. 
Why don't we talk about your favourites then, since you had some clear favourites. Uh, can you guess my favourite? You might have had a hint from the reaction I just had. Germany. Yeah, absolute yeah. favourite. <laughs> I mean, come on, Guldo Horn. Um, so his band, uh, Guldo Horn und die Orthopedischen Strumpfe. So that's the orthopedic stockings. Okay. Of course, his, of course his band's called the Orthopedic Stockings. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so his song called uh, Guldo Hat Euch Lieb. I've butchered that pronunciation, but I'm going to just plough through, which translates... I wouldn't know the difference, so... <laughs> ...into Guldo Loves You. Um, yeah, I mean, big yaya ding-dong energy. Yeah, this was... It was fun. And this performer, like, he was bonkers in a great way. So, I mean, like, yeah, when I say that they were all bland and unmemorable, he this was, was certainly an exception. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was climbing on the scaffolding. Like, he he oh. gave us a good performance. And now, this was the first time that I've watched a Eurovision with commentary on the yes. version that... Yes. And so... um yeah, the commentator whose name I don't remember, but you would. Terry um, he Wogan. was like, this man's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and I was like, you're not wrong, Terry. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, he he must have given the health and safety officers so much anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I cannot imagine that uh, that was all cleared ahead of time. Like, sure, yeah, go ahead. Climb on the scaffolding. Yeah, no problem. Fine. Yeah. Just, 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 just lie on that small, thin barrier. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's I mean, live TV for you, though. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, um, it, it was brilliant, though. Just, it reminded me of the times when I used to be in bands. I used to do shenanigans like that. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> so my first band was called The Emotional Problems of Dirk Diggler. Oh, yeah. So a weird band name, just like Gildo Horn's band name. And Isn't there a show? Isn't there a show called Dirk Diggler? Um, Dirk Diggler, it's, it was um, the main character from a film called Boogie Nights about a porn actor called Dirk Diggler. Oh, yes. I know. Yes. I know Boogie Nights, but I didn't uh, I didn't realize that that so, was his name. I didn't remember. It peaked, uh, you know, <laughs> some kind of memory. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I used to do performances. We used to do a cover of The Time Warp from Rocky Horror Show. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And I would... During that one, because I was playing guitar most of the time, but I would drop, I would leave my guitar on that one, and I would interrupt the audience, and I would climb lighting rigs, sound rigs. Oh, um, we, we played one gig in this sort of town hall in Thornton, Cleveland, near where I lived, and I climbed onto the uh, sort of rail on the side of a building all the way around it. Did you ever get hurt? Uh, no, not for, I didn't fall and get hurt. Most uh, most injury I got was smashing my face on a microphone. That was the worst injury I got. <laughs> the dangers of being a musician. Yeah, there's a video of us playing a, a bandstand um, out in a park. And you can see, even though it's like pretty blurry footage because it was from a while ago, you can see my face all bloodied up. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I used to be a rock star in my own head. Nice. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it sounds as if you put on quite a show. And uh, and so did Germany in this Eurovision yeah. Song Contest. So yeah, like that one definitely stood out to me. So Germany is your number one. Absolutely. Who else was at the top? Uh, my, my, I had trouble with the next two. So the next two I had in the top were both the um, Netherlands and the UK. Yes. Because they both sort of sent these like R&B sort of house pop bangers like they were they were 90s songs they went in the past they yeah. were songs that were of the time and i think yes. still hold up 
Yeah, I'm trying to refresh my memory of uh, Netherlands. I'm just looking. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. I remember now. So UK was actually, UK was my number one. Um, so oh my I, God, we, we won the contest. Yes, you won in my heart, in my <laughs> own uh, ranking. Uh, yes, yeah, so I completely agree with you. And Netherlands, uh, for me, was ranked number eight. Yeah. So uh, I did like that. They um, made it into my top ten. Um, but I didn't like them quite as much as a few of the others. But I agree. Like, I like a, I like sort of a, an R&B vibe in my 90s jams. Yeah. But, you know, like speaking of 90s jams, um, the postcards, the songs they paid in the, played oh. in the postcards were like, I want that soundtrack. Yeah. That was a great soundtrack. And Just so, like, classic Britpop. I know. And then so to go from the like amazing jams in the postcards that was giving me like such amazing nostalgia and then yeah. to come back to the Eurovision songs, I was always kind of like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, the postcards <laughs> songs really showed up the performances in my they opinion. They really did. Like, you know, it was like the Verve, um, Bittersweet Symphony. Um, oh, they had, what's that? Uh, Supergrass. Supergrass. Yeah, Supergrass. Yeah. That was the one that sticks in my I head. I love that one. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, there was just like, it was such a great 90s throwback. Yeah. And then we, you know, we, you know how you have said in the past that it's like, it was the 1988 one when the halftime show was so much better than any of the performances that like were actually (laughs) in the contest. And that's what it felt a little bit for me here that I was like, you're really kind of setting yourselves up for disappointment because your soundtrack to the postcards is so like amazing good. yeah yeah like you sort of like and it's like oh i remember this song this song's so good and then it goes yeah. fades out and like and here's turkey singing right. a song in 17 <laughs> different time signatures <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah so uh so uk was uh was up there in your list it was up there on mine too and yep. netherlands we also not quite on the same page but both agreed that that was one of our top ones so so far we're pretty aligned yeah, and the sad thing about the UK song from 1998, since we won the year before in 97, that's our highest placement. We've not come higher than oh, second place since then. Really? Yeah, we've had a couple of top 10 placements. And I think we've had a couple of, you know, the top five. But we're mostly hanging around the bottom end of that scoreboard now. Damn it. You need to recapture the lightning in a bottle that Absolutely. was the late 90s. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I say, I mean... That that song didn't feel dated, at the, you know, for that contest. Yeah. Um. I mean, like three songs that were in my bottom four, I put the same comment underneath them all. What year is this? Right. Okay. Because like, why why are we singing? You know, why have we got songs from the seventies here? So, do you want to talk about those first, or do you want to finish rounding out your top five? Let's go for stick with the positives first. Okay. In so, fourth, uh, what what else do you have in there? In fourth place, our winning song, uh, Dana International Diva. Okay, Israel. Yeah, yes. I didn't. I had. I had heard my top ten, but uh, not my top song either. But yeah, I mean, a very I, good one. I I do like the song, but listening back to it, I'm thinking. I was listening to it to it and thinking, I love the song, but I don't love it as much as these other three, which yeah. surprised me because usually, you know me, I'm like pretty basic i love the ones that <laughs> the public tends to love on a whole yeah i i very rarely stray from what actually won uh and it's it's a, it's a very good song it's a really good song um diva 
you know, yeah. it still fills the floors, dance floors at, you know, Euro clubs. Um, does because, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and she is an icon, an absolute icon. I mean, she, her song's called Diva, and she clearly is a diva. Right. Because, you know, when she won, she held up a show because she had to get a costume change. Right, yeah. <laughs> of course she I did, mean, Donna. Of course she did. Yeah, that's fitting of the song title. Oh, yeah. Um, and what, one thing I noticed on the uh, performance, though, her backing vocalists. I don't know if you picked up on it, but she had four backing vocalists, three very skinny vocalists who were mostly in shot, and then a fourth backing vocalist who was a little bit chunkier to the side, mm. who was rarely in shot, who was doing a lot of the heavy lifting, I might add. Really? Oh, yeah. She was clearly mm. doing a lot of the strong vocals on there. Like, I mean, there were a few things in this that were like, okay, 90s. Like, <laughs> you, like you didn't age well, not only from sort of a, I don't know, aesthetic perspective, but also because like... You can't get away with that shit anymore. Like, that doesn't fly. <laughs> Especially no. with the commentary, like, the 90s were showing when... Oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when this guy is commenting about, you know, whether or not the performer's attractive. When he called one of the performers a handsome woman, I was like, my God, man. Like, you gotta <laughs> just stop. But, I mean, the 90s, that was like, okay then. And apparently it was totally okay to cut a performer out of the shot because they're not as slim as the others. I'm just assuming that Uh, that might be why we... Yeah. It's the only reason I can see why we did that. Um, Now, the thing I I need to address with Donna International, um, I I was racking my brains whether to mention this because in my my, um, heart... I didn't want to discuss it because it doesn't matter. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Um, But it was a big deal at the time. Adana International is an openly trans woman. And this caused a lot of um, controversy back home for her in Israel uh, by Orthodox Jews who, because of their religious bigotry, you know, they didn't want her performing um, and representing Israel. Which is a real shame. And unfortunately, my overwhelming memory of the 98 contest was just constantly the news would focus and fixate on this. Um, I I did reach out to um, a trans friend and, you know, they said, discuss it because it isn't, you know, I wanted to focus on the music first. That's why I brought it up afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it really does, for me, the way that people fixated on that, it's a bit of a stain on the entire year for me. And right. I, I can't sometimes enjoy that contest and that song without thinking how people were back then. You know, that's fair. I mean, so I'm just learning this right now in this moment. So these are my, you know, like reactions having had no exposure to any of the type of coverage that you are talking about. But like, I mean, I wonder if you could kind of like look at it in a different context, because like clearly it's unfortunate that one, that she was not supported fully and entirely, not only by her country, but, you know, especially by her country. Yeah. Um, and that um, it's unfortunate that so much of the discussion then became about her being trans and and not about the quality of the music and her, you know, 
incredible performance, you know, the things that are relevant to the song contest, right? And yet at the same time, I mean, I I feel like uh, it's... It's a shame that this is something that needs to be or that I'm even feeling compelled to sort of like pat people on the back for because it isn't something that should be viewed as going above and beyond. It's like it shouldn't be an issue at all. And yet at the same time, in 1998, and she is openly trans and she still won the contest and it wasn't something that was held against her in a way that, um, you know, she was not judged fairly, that she was not, uh, you know, like... Um, able to win the contest because, you know, people took issue with her as a person and therefore didn't vote in her favor. I mean, like, so, I mean, I completely hear what you're saying. And yet at the same time, it's kind of a win, isn't it? That, that she won in 1998 when that is like a very early in terms of like the open discussions and open acceptance of the trans community like that's a that's a win in my book right that is a good way of looking at it yeah i agree yeah yeah but but i agree that it's like it's unfortunate that it's even top a topic at all that it it is something that was newsworthy because uh the the news should just be about the music and her song and you know that's it isn't uh something that was relevant to whether or not her performance was good. Um, so I hear what you're saying on that too, but, but yeah, wow. I mean, like what a pioneer, like good for her. Yeah. And like I said, so much more interesting than her trans identity. The fact that she's a complete show stealing diva is so much more interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes. Okay. So Israel, it was your top four. Israel was number nine for me. So not quite as high in the list, but still one of my, one of my favorites, one of my top 10. And then, uh, what, what rounds out your top five? Surprisingly, France. I really liked France too. France was middle of the pack for me, but like, it got no love. Yeah. I mean, I think they sent quite a modern sort of summery chill out song that's felt slightly ahead of its time it felt like a, a naughty song to me it had real Chardet vibes to me i don't know who that is <laughs> oh my god for the first time ever yeah. um i am like i am bringing up something that you don't know you know what i hope that it's not like because i'm mispronouncing your name or something i'm suddenly very <laughs> self-conscious about like did, did i screw this up no um i, don't I will send, i'll send you a link to Chardet and uh you can see if you feel like it has a similar vibe i'll, I'll look I'll look forward to that um no it's probably just that i've got pretty poor musical knowledge outside of my niche interests <laughs> i have poor musical knowledge in general so uh <laughs> you're still doing better than me but i i, I like that song so it was um uh, marie line with Uale, um and she just seemed so effortlessly cool very french in that yeah. way like she definitely knew the best parisian bars where she hangs out with her artist friends Right. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it as well. I thought that it had a sexy vibe to it. It was a bit of a nice departure from, again, sort of the bland, uh, basic pop ballads that the vast majority of the other performances were giving me. Um, so I was quite surprised that France didn't do better in the uh, in in the results. But um, but yeah, I I enjoyed this performance, too. Yeah, it was it was a nice one. Uh, so obviously, I know that the UK topped your list, 
finally. Yes. <laughs> so what else have you got up there? Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm almost like reluctant to even give you my top <laughs> because they could really, I mean, it was, it was a crapshoot. It, it could have been any, um, aside from UK as my number one, any of these other ones, it could have just as easily been another one. It was arbitrary. Wow. And, um, I don't even remember the songs enough to be able to like give you reasons of why I raised them high, <laughs> but I will tell you the ones that I have on my top five are the UK number one, Sweden, Cyprus, Belgium, and Portugal. Wow. Yeah. Um, they, they all found their way into the sort of middle of my pack. Yeah, I mean, and and frankly, when I was just reviewing that recap this morning to give me a refresher of um, which song was which, as I was going through the recap, I was like, why did I put that there? <laughs> like, it, it was like, I... I didn't change where I put them in the ranking because once I know the results of the contest, I'm like, no more fiddling. Like, yeah. the result, my results are what they are, right? And so I'm not going to change them now. But when I was going through the recap, I was like, I think that I was, I think I had just forgotten what some of the earlier songs sounded like. And so I ranked some of these higher than I would have second time around, but that's where they ended up. <laughs> wow. uh, did you Did you list Norway in there? Um, so Norway was one of my favorite songs on the re-listen, but it was middle of the pack in my actual uh, official ranking. So Norway, I kind of liked, um, first of all, the performer was giving me such like, like 90s aesthetic of every guy I went to high school with. It was <laughs> hilarious. He, he was um, very boy band member Gon Solo. Right. I don't know. He had like the necklace on and I don't know. It was just very so cozy nice. in his jumper though. He looked very comfy. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it was like the uh I don't know, like a like a grungy light sort of yeah. look. It was like <laughs> Nirvana meets Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Like, um I I I've listened to a rock album or two, literally yeah. or two. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I liked Norway quite a bit, but it's uh, sitting middle of the pack in my <laughs> rankings. No, I, I, I was just looking at my notes. I was like, he was seventh for me. Uh, yeah. And I was like, did he mention that one? Because my mind went completely blank. <laughs> um, so now let's talk about the ones that you didn't like. Oh, dear. Here we go. Okay, let's do it. Hey there, I just want to interrupt the show to say thanks for listening to the podcast. We do appreciate every listen. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend or family member, anybody you know who likes Eurovision or your enemies who hate Eurovision and you want to make them suffer. <laughs> we don't care. We'll take the listen. Also, Apple Podcast users, please do rate and review. It helps more people find the podcast. Uh, and make sure that you've subscribed you can also get in touch with us via social media. We have a Twitter page at thinkabouteuro. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thinkabouteurovision. And also you can find all show notes and accompanying playlists at our website, which is thinkabouteuro.vision. Anyway, back to the show. Right, so at the absolute bottom... Turkey. Yeah, I scored Turkey my bottom as well. Turkey was a turkey. Yeah, I did not like it. And it scored quite well. I mean, not top 10, but it was 15th. So like very 
strongly middle of the pack. And I was like, what? Yeah, it was. I, I just didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, is, it was one of those what year is this ones for me because he was there, broad shouldered suit, mullet. So looking like he's out of the 80s, his songs sound like it was out of the 70s. Yeah. Oh, and his song, um, uh, so Teutemann's song uh, translates into You Can't Forget, which is ironic because I've completely forgotten how it goes. Me too. I just remembered that I didn't like it. I didn't hate it more, you know, I didn't hate it a great deal more than some of the other ones. I didn't really hate any of them. But yeah. this one was like, it was distinctly like not good. Yeah. Um, and he was struggling apparently in rehearsals because oh, this was the last year we ever had the live orchestra. Oh, really? Yes. And obviously the problem with live orchestra, it the, the speed they play at depends on the conductor right and it was regularly during rehearsals running like 12 to 15 seconds over three minutes <gasps> oh, so he was facing so being disqualified yeah mm. and he couldn't even use metronome because of different time signatures in the song oh geez so yeah, yeah he struggled eh yeah i don't know that i really noticed that in his performance though so i think maybe he pulled it off yep he came in at two minutes and 59 seconds so Oh, that was tight. Yeah, good for him. I mean, the good thing is now, now because it's all backing tracks, they they engineer their songs to be three minutes on the dot. Oh, yeah, yeah. that makes that makes sense. Which yeah. is weird that we have so many songs that are exactly three minutes. That's one thing. Um, when we come to a twenty twenty contest that didn't happen, the one thing I liked about UK song it was like two and a half minutes long. We didn't right. push it to the edge, which I quite I like that about our song this year. We didn't get to send. Yeah, I mean, like. I don't know. <laughs> it shows that you're not Hopefully. just sticking to the formula, I think, is what it shows. Exactly, yeah. Like when we were talking about how the go to songwriting camp and follow a formula of exactly what a Eurovision song is supposed to be. Like the fact that they all come in exactly at three minutes yeah. kind of speaks to that. Yeah. Um, just above that one, I had Finland um, with Idea with Arva. Um, that okay. was like a, it was like a bad Enya song. And Enya songs are pretty bad. (laughs) I mean, I like a good sail away, so I can't really speak to that. But (laughs) (laughs) I put Finland middle of the pack, so maybe that's why. Might be. Uh, But um, that song also holds the record for the fewest lyrics. Oh, really? As there is only six words in that entire song. No. That she just sings over and over? Yep. It's a repetition of um, a phrase which means open landscape in a Finnish and due to the nature of the Finnish language they can sort of sing in different ways it sounds different but yeah there's only six words in that entire song <laughs> that's so bizarre I didn't notice that yeah. whatsoever um, it was a uh, yeah I didn't care for it with the backing vocalists in their leather pants and dress right. leather pants and skirts <laughs> are swaying really creepily slowly the swaying was so weird it was like this robotic straight armed like it was it was bizarre <laughs> i have that in my notes yeah too. it was like slightly like they've been hypnotized or under a trance that's <laughs> so true oh my god can i just like tell you a quick aside story speaking of like very few lyrics Go so on. <laughs> um i am an avid karaokeer like not in public but at parties. Yeah. I karaoke a lot. I <laughs> um sometimes I will karaoke alone in my living room. Like I don't care. I just <laughs> I do that too. Do you really? I get YouTube, oh. YouTube karaoke videos and I'll sing it to myself on my own. Yes. 
Oh my God. Like it's, I mean, it's just fun. Yeah. Anyway, so my boyfriend, John, who like karaoke is probably the bottom of his list of (laughs) any list of things that he wants to do. So for Valentine's Day, we don't really give each other gifts. We don't generally celebrate that much. But this year for Valentine's Day, he give he gave me the gift of participation. And so <laughs> he agreed to have a karaoke night w- with me and he would participate. Um, but so every song that he chose was like a Jimi Hendrix song. So it was like eight minutes long, but seven and a half minutes of it was guitar solo. <laughs> there was like almost no singing whatsoever. <laughs> I was like, like that's smart. He's fully yeah. participating with his few lyrics. Could do like that, uh, that tequila song. Oh yeah. yeah. Like da, 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 da. <laughs> Very few lyrics in tequila. <laughs> what's, um, your, what's your go-to karaoke song? Do you have one? Um, so I love to karaoke Queen, um, Elton John. Uh, Your song is one of my go-tos. Oh, I love it. I would karaoke pretty much any Elton John song. I love uh, Don't Stop Me Now. Uh, it's a real crowd pleaser. My crowd of my myself <laughs> alone <laughs> in my living room. But also like, you know, uh, at parties. I will, I will karaoke in front of other people, just oh, yeah. not like at a bar. Um, and then... If I'm really like feeling myself, I'll give Bon Jovi a good solid go. So nice. <laughs> I, I like like old rock, I guess. Is yeah. The, is... I, I, this probably doesn't surprise you. I tend to go from musical theatre songs. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is not surprising. Yeah. But my, my absolute go to, the one that I will always look for first, Sweet Transvestite from Rocky Horror Show. Okay. Give me, give us a little taste. I'm just a sweet transvestite. Ooh, nice. From I needed transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> well out of key because I've not got the backing track. I um I needed that to refresh me which song it was. Yes. You know, I have never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. What? I know, I know. What? Yeah, I knew that we would not get through this without me disappointing you. <laughs> uh once again, I'm disappointed. I know. I'm very familiar with it. Like, I know the costumes, I know I know sort of like the cultural zeitgeistiness of it but i've never seen it end to end <laughs> yeah uh, no I, I love that one because i get to do so before i was talking about being in my band and my shenanigans on stage yeah i'm all about the shenanigans when i do that song oh I bet. I'm, yeah. I'm going up to i find the most blokey looking clearly straight bloke in the bar because i'll do it in a bar with strangers yeah and when i get to like the lyric uh, I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. I'll change to whatever color hair they've got off, you know, a bald head and a tan and stroke oh, the hair sassy. or stroke the head and just to <laughs> really creep them out. At, and best thing is it gets a reaction from their friends who just oh, yeah. enjoying their discomfort. <laughs> oh my God. You, I feel like are just like a little bit like of an exhibitionist, I think, Chris. What? <laughs> but only on stage, only on stage. It brings it out in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that was my that is my karaoke story of uh, very few lyrics being sung. But um, to all of our listeners out there, if you want to gift your girlfriend with uh, with something special on Valentine's Day, I would recommend the gift of participation. Like, do the thing she wants to do that normally you say no. That's a good tip. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I would say that goes to girlfriends as well. And- Yes, yes, sure, of course. Any any spouses yes. uh out there, that is a it is a a good gift to to give. 
Anyway, we got, yeah, side- side, we got sidetracked. <laughs> oh, how unlike us. How unlike us. Um, how did you feel about Hungary's song? I didn't like it. No. Not at no. all. <laughs> That's it, it had like a Michael Bolton vibe, though. He was like a husky Michael Bolton. I went for Hungarian Rod Stewart, but totally, yes. Yes! Oh, yeah, I totally could see that, too. But again, what year is this? What year is this? Yeah. No. No it, good. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I al- I also had low on my list. Uh, Romania was low for me, Say, but I can't, they were my I can't fourth, remember the song. They were my fourth from the bottom. Were they? Yeah. Um, uh, all I've got in my notes was um, that her voice was like... Uh, so Sarah and I, um, Sarah coined a phrase that I, we like to use. Do you... I, I, I know you don't have John Lewis over there, but have you ever heard of a John Lewis Christmas adverts? No. Um, the everyone in the UK is like, oh, it's Christmas when you see the John Lewis Christmas advert, and it's usually some ugh, kind of soppy sort of tale. So, like one they had, like this old man who lives on his own on the moon, and a girl sends a present up to him of um, I think it's a telescope, remember rightly, so he can see her, and they can wave oh. at each other, and it's usually got a cover. Usually by um, a woman doing like a classic sort of pop song from the 80s, but with like tinkly, tinkly piano and right. <laughs> voice. And we call it mouse fart on a snare drum. <laughs> you Like we as in you and Sarah or like we as in the entirety of the UK? <laughs> no, me and Sarah, me and Sarah. <laughs> so we call it mouse fart on a snare drum. That is descriptive. Uh, they've had, don't you... Forget about me. Things Ooh. like that. Yeah. It's just That's we a bit cringe. And everyone in the see everyone in the UK seems to love it and we just can't kinda of can't stand it. <laughs> no. So yeah, um so the only notes I've got is that she sounds like a mouse fart on a snare drum and the conductor had a mullet. <laughs> I'm getting distinct anti mullet vibes from you, I'm just gonna say. I, I don't, and like I don't rock with the mullets. <laughs> I've seen some like like recent current mullets, uh, primarily on women. Yeah. That I'm loving that vibe, but yeah, the classic '80s mullet I could do without. No, uh, when I got my hair dyed purple, um, as it is now, uh, first time, uh, my hairdresser suggested a mullet, and I looked at it with a look of shock and horror. <laughs> Like no, Steph. You're like purple's fine, but a mullet's too far. Yeah, I'm not. I'm <laughs> not going for a mullet anytime ever. Oh my god. Um. Also low on my list. Uh, like Estonia, I put pretty low, but in the rewatch, I didn't, you know, dislike it as much as my ranking would. Um suggest and then also croatia ended up quite low for me and they scored very high uh but um i you know i don't know they were just they were fine yeah. they middle they just the ended packers. up low they were, yeah. they were middle of the pack. um now malta which came in um very high third. and was very like close to winning uh, as bland as this um as bland as i found this final in general like the voting like 
the score was very close. There was a little bit of excitement there. So Malta came very close to winning, and um, I didn't care for that song much at all. So uh, I've not got her my detailed notes, but I've had a look at my uh, crib notes I wrote whilst watching. Um, yeah, uh, the things I put there was that um, it was very 90s, but ultimately dull. And also her voice was flat to me. She sounded flat and off-key throughout. I didn't have that that note in particular, but you have a better ear for music than me. Uh, but dull, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I put like, how did this come third? Because it was yeah. it was actually fifth from the bottom for me. It was yeah, I, I scored it pretty low as well. And uh, like speaking of the the voting, oh my god, Chris! I know I've said it before, but this was an absolute like grind to get through. It was tough to get through. Oh, it was just, it was so long and it was so boring and every single point. And you know, it was like, it's minor, but one of the things that I disliked is that in the more current contests, as the points are awarded and the um, countries change in ranking, they will change the ranking so I can see where the countries currently stand. And in this one, they would award points, but they wouldn't move them. They were always in the order in which they were they performed and i was like it was a mess it's such a minor thing but it's such a quality of life improvements for the contest yes agree but um but yeah when it came down to the very end it was very exciting like it was very neck and neck and then to have that very last country award points and everyone thought that they were going to give malta the 12 yeah. points which would make malta win and then lo and behold they did not award any points to malta and they it ended up going to israel yes yeah like that was that was the like highlight of this final for me was I, that like exciting moment i was gonna say i would imagine that would be quite exciting even though i knew the result i was watching and going oh this is fascinating watching all their faces just right. thinking Oh, it's going to go to Malta, isn't it? Because everyone's loved the Maltese song. That's going to go to 12 sh- points. Exactly. I'm sure that Malta thought that they won. Um, but... I would have liked a camera on her face just to see that moment when her heart broke. Yes, like at the Oscars <laughs> or whatever, when your name's not called and they do an extreme <laughs> close-up of the nominees who didn't win. I'm like, oh, that's shady, but Trying I Trying to appreciate... look like really happy for them and clapping exactly. and nodding. Mm, yes. I appreciate that camera work because I like to see the tea. <laughs> Um, oh, but God, yeah, wait, you'd uh, see the 2019 contest. Woo, I can't wait. Um, but yeah, aside from that exciting moment, uh, I like really, really struggled through this whole voting process. I thought it was bad. And then that, but like, let's talk. There were a few moments. So, first, the audience was very vocal oh, yes. during, during it, this voting process. It felt like a very British audience because they were booing whenever we didn't get very high scores for the UK. Right. Like, France, um, you only gave us, like, three points. How very dare you? Boo, yes, I say. Boo. Uh, <laughs> boo. Um, and not just for the UK, but as it became clear that there were front runners, that there were, you know, reactions to low scoring for Israel yeah. or whatever. There was also some, like, clear reciprocity that we have discussed already. And uh, the commentator, remind me his name once more, I'm so sorry. Terry Wilgen? Terry Wilgen. So he Wogan. commented... I'm just going to call him Terry. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong. Um, but yeah, he commented, uh, you know, he commented not only on 
the countries where he was like, well, that's unsurprising that he, they awarded <laughs> their neighbor these points. And then also when the UK didn't get points, he was like, I, I thought they were our friends, <laughs> you know, like so. Uh, oh, and speaking of which, it was interesting that at least some of the time they showed a map. Of where the country was that's voting and then where each of the countries are that are being awarded points. And for someone like me who has no (laughs) very poor sense of geography, that was helpful. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's now not just a music show. It's a geography lesson. Is it also a geography lesson? Yes. Let me tell you, I learned. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One thing you'll notice as well, um, back then, it was quite clearly defined areas on the map. In a more modern contest, the area is a little bit more fuzzy because of disputed re- regions. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, so you'll you'll notice that if you look out for it. They go for like um, a more um, sort of abstract map these days. Right, <laughs> it's like not not like um, venturing into political uh, territory uh, of drawing a hard line. Yeah, exactly. No um, hard lines drawn. On, on the topic of uh, reciprocal voting, um, obviously we had Greece giving twelve points to Cyprus. Mm. And Cyprus gave 12 points to Greece. It was the only points that Greece got. Wow, yeah. Both times, uh, lots of booing. But I do want to raise something. Um, uh, podcast listener uh, at the Dan Garrett on Twitter. He let us know that Romania and Moldova have actually given each other more points historically than Greece and Cyprus. It's very really? rarely acknowledged. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like... It's it's it gets to a point where it's not subtle and yep. clearly the audience sees it when they react with booze. And I mean, that's just it's unfortunate because it's clearly not in the spirit of the contest. And, um, you know, it's, it's just like it's tacky, like vote yeah. for the best song. Um, and Greece so- is not the best song. It certainly was not. <laughs> and so Terry, he pointed out that there was like, I think that I missed it, but I think it was when points were being awarded that the person said, like, I hope you remember us. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which um, country was that? I can't I, remember. But yeah, I'm like Terry said. No, but I do remember that bit. Yeah. And, and Terry said uh, that was indiscreet. Then <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was yeah. pretty bad. Essentially, it's like, we'll give these to you. But remember this when you're voting for us. Um, there was also that moment I felt really bad for the female host. Oh, when, yes. OK, so like when the audience like went crazy over something that she said, do you remember that moment? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, she was speaking to the spokesperson for the Netherlands. Yes. who'd previously represented uh, her country in the Eurovision Song Contest. And the, vo- the the audience were already being quite vocal and some of it was being drowned out. And the representative of the Netherlands mentioned that she performed at Eurovision many years ago. Yes. Now, the problem is most people didn't hear that. I, what they yeah. heard was Ulrika going, many years ago, was it? Yes. And it seemed like shade. I felt so bad for her because, yes, I heard. But, of course, I have the, you know, benefit of, like, having headphones in and, like, you know what I mean. But so clearly the audience didn't hear that the presenter themselves said it was a very long time ago. And then when she reiterated that, everybody was like, oh, no. Oh, no, she didn't. (laughs) Right. You could see the look on her face that she was very shocked and put off by that. Um, reaction. I felt bad for her. Yeah, but Ulrika Johnson, um, 
I think, you know, she would have taken it in a stride. She's done so much TV in the UK. Also, interesting point oh, yeah. out, uh, we, this is a British Eurovision hosted by Irishman Terry Wogan from the Republic of Ireland and Swedish Ulrika Johnson. <laughs> huh. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, speaking of bland, like, this hosting was bland. As much as, like, I you know, kind of crap on some of the other hosts for being like cringy and cheesy. I mean, this was just nothing. It was yeah. a big pile of nothing. There weren't any awkward interactions with the performance though, performers, which I appreciated. Yeah. I, I mean, it stems from that fact that Terry Wogan, um, he's now, uh, he, he passed away a few years ago, but he was like a veteran TV um, sort of host and pres- presenter in the UK. Um, right. Ulrika Johnson is as well quite a known face at the time. I mean, she's still... Doesn't do as much now, but um, I mean, last time I saw was on a, on a quiz comedy com- comedy quiz show called Shooting Stars. Um, but you know, again, quite a a well sort of experienced TV host. So there's none of that sort of awkwardness between these sort of teenagers. They practically get to host it now, right? You know, these were veteran sort of presenters and um, broadcasters. So there no, wasn't any true. of those awkward yeah. moments, but. There wasn't spark, and I don't think it helped that Terry Wogan was also on double duties hosting and commentating. Commentating, yes. Yeah, I didn't find that there was much in terms of sort of endearing engagement um, I didn't get from them. They did seem polished and professional, and yeah. so they. you're right, none of that awkwardness. But I did not appreciate Terry Wogan's commentary, though. No, I didn't love it. This is, this is I, why I the, wanted to give you links without commentary for the most part. Yeah. The the one thing that I, you know, felt was the thing I took most issue with is how much he weighed in in his personal subjective opinion yeah. and like stated it as fact. So when he was saying, well, you know, that's not going to score well. And this was clearly the best of the, you know, the I don't know, Eastern European entries. I don't know what he said there, but, you know, like he um, he like stated a subjective opinion as if it was fact. And he's stating this live before there's Colin voting. So I really feel like, you know, just like keep your opinions to yourself until the actual voting comes out because it's nothing set in stone yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to call controversy with this one uh, because Terry Wogan is a well-loved and respected sort of uh, broadcaster in the UK. And a lot of people think that he made Eurovision popular. I disagree. Okay. I I don't enjoy his commentary. I, I don't enjoy the British commentary as a whole. Even now, I don't like Graham Norton's commentary. Uh, I much prefer the commentary we tend to have on the semi-finals. I've discussed this previously. We've had Scott Mills and Ryland do it. That was a really good combo because they both actually like Eurovision. Mm. Terry Wogan quite famously got sick of Eurovision in the 2000s, complaining about the block voting. Um, right. And he was quite vocal about it during the show, and he did, then did step back, and that's when uh, Graham Norton took over. Mm. And I feel a lot of the British negativity towards Eurovision stems from his uh, vocal negativity towards Eurovision. Right. I think it's learned behaviour. <laughs> 
Well, that's unfortunate. I mean, honestly, I could see if he's been doing it for decades, then if it is something that he's seeing year after year, and, you know, if he is uh, seeing a pattern that maybe a more casual viewer isn't seeing, then like, fair enough for being frustrated. But at the same time, if it's really kind of encroaching on his ability to um, commentate in a way that makes continues to make it a fun viewing experience then like maybe right to step back but this was as i said the first time that i'd watched any of these eurovisions with uh commentary and frankly i just prefer it without i just want no commentary at all it's so much better without commentary i think yeah I, i i mean i think commentary can be done well you know give us the facts make a funny joke when it's funny but yeah stating personal preferences as fact i'm not here for that yeah, I just didn't like it. It just seemed very presumptuous to me that it was like, you know, like the voting hasn't been done yet, guy. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel like if there are, if he is this, um, a beloved, like longstanding uh, British commentator and there are listeners right now who are like big fans of his, like, I'm so sorry because I feel like we're capping on him a little bit. But yeah. I mean, I I can tell that he is, I mean, I, I can see why he would be a beloved commentator he seemed very seasoned his jokes uh i think some of them landed i think the you know the era was showing in some of the commentary that he made about the female performers (laughs) um and uh and yeah i did think that like his his stating of his own preferences was a bit presumptuous but i can tell that he is a pro so like there's it wasn't all bad um because if we had all of that commentary coming from someone who was less seasoned it would have been much worse um but yeah i could just do without it yeah yeah i'm 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 in agreement there let's move on from um talking about tezza um what did you think of our interval act i really liked it yeah yeah it was was very good uh, that was jupiter the bringer of jovility uh from gustav holst's planet suite which is a piece of music I mean, the whole suite, my dad used to play a lot when I was a kid because my dad likes classical music. Mm. Never really got, I never really got into it. I I can appreciate it for its work, Um, but it was all right. It was a bit funny, they were saying like the multiculturalism of Britain, which, you know, two things like that insane me. Looking back, it's like, yeah, in the 90s, we were quite proud of our multicultural country. Uh, now, um, the tide has sadly changed for the majority of people, it seems, in the UK. It seems a very insular country now. Right, which yeah. Which seems to embrace uh, multiculturalism. But I did also enjoy that in that aspect, uh, multiculturalism in Britain include, meant we had some English traditional music, Northern Irish traditional music, uh, Scottish and Welsh, and then Bangra, and then, we, which, you know, Bangra music, especially in the 90s, you know, we had like a... a Preston-based band uh, had that song "Brimful of Asher." I don't know mm-hmm. if that made it over there. It was like a, no. a Brit pop song that had like a Bangra element to it. Okay, yeah, because uh, we were like um, I can't remember the uh, name of the band off the top of my head, but they were based from Preston, if I remember, remember rightly. Um, and that was a big song of that that era. And so you know, Bangra music was creeping into the t- charts. And then for some reason, they had African tribal dancing, which didn't really represent to me multicultural Britain. It felt actually a bit backwards um, going because that with the uh, Bangra performers, they were, you know, they were in their, you know, their, their costumes, but they were incorporated in a modern way. 
And then it felt a bit like jingoistic. Remember that time we invaded Africa? It Mm. didn't feel right to me because, you know, black people in Britain aren't going around doing African tribal dances. No, but I mean, I like, I don't know, just playing devil's advocate here that if they are of African descent, then, you know, then I think that that would still probably be an important part of their culture, despite the fact that, you know, they might not do the dances themselves, but if they have a connection to their African heritage, then it would still be worthwhile to represent it. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a fair point. It's just something I noted as like, I don't know if I feel quite comfortable with that. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think so... we're doing. I don't think we'd do it now. If we're hosting no. something similar. You, do you feel like because like it was less of a representation of uh, African immigrants in England and more a representation of like colonialism? Yeah, that's how it felt to me. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Got it. I felt if we did it now, you, you know, we might. If if we did that same thing now to represent Black Britons, I feel like you know we might pull some sort of. Um, uh, Notting Hill Carnival kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Maybe go down the more uh, Caribbean kind of side of things. Obviously, you know, there's Black Britons from, you know, Caribbean and Africa and across right. the world. You know, it's not, not get, digging myself a hole here. I'm trying to get out of it. <laughs> yes, I, I feel like as two white people <laughs> that that perhaps <laughs> the black black uh, community in uh, Britain would need to weigh in on <laughs> on what would be the most representative if they were to do this again. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's an outside looking in. It didn't feel yeah. right. I'll say that right. much. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I guess it didn't. It didn't occur to me in that way. I just kind of like enjoyed the performance, and uh, I enjoyed it immensely. So between this performance and the songs that were playing on the postcards, <laughs> I think that like the shows, um, the show's actual songs were overshadowed a bit. But I liked this a lot, and also because it was nineties in the UK, we had Vanessa Vanessa May playing violin. She was everywhere in the nineties. She was a woman was playing she? electric violin. She was she was like on every TV show during the late nineties playing for electric violin. Yeah, right. Just just you couldn't move for Vanessa May. <laughs> well, I liked it. <laughs> um, so I mean, I guess all all things considered, I thought it was pretty meh. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about about this show? Um, I mean, the uh, trophy, a glass ball. I mean, come on. Mm. What a thing to win, a, a bowl. Put some fruit in it. <laughs> I don't even, I think that I had checked out a little bit by that point. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember what it looks like. No, uh, the only thing it, I, it looked like a bowl, I am, yeah, I am hearing it, now. It was like yeah. a frosted bowl. It, it looked yeah. like a fruit bowl. Right. The only other thing I wanted to talk about was, again, the postcards. The thing I love that I picked up on a couple of times was Beamish Open Air Museum. I've got so many fond memories of that place. Oh, do you? <laughs> yes, it's like in the uh, northeast of England. And it's like this working Victorian sort of town. It's brilliant. It's so good. Nice. I mean, I've got memories of like going to the. Uh, we've got that. You know, we had that scene in the school. I'd always get. The, I'd always get the cane, and you know, that's a cane in inverted commas because they can't actually hit you with the cane <laughs> because I'm left-handed. Right. I'll be there with my slate and my little uh, slate and the little stick scribe for the slate, and I'd always get told off by the uh, t- teacher there for writing with my left hand. No, like is this true? And they'd yeah, they'd pretend to hit you with a, the, the a cane. They'd make you stand at the front of a classroom, you know. And the adults get to, they do this to adults as well who come in because they do like a little performance 
of a Victorian <laughs> oh my school God, lesson. Hilarious. And you sit at these little desks and you're told to get out your slate and you're told to do some work and they'll pick on anyone left-handed and bring them to the front of the class, get them to hold a hand out and pretend to hit them with the cane. Oh, Unless well, you're Sammy Dobson from Which is the Best Podcast, who actually asked to get hit with the cane. Oh my god! Yep. <laughs> so this is like a I field trip. Give her a shout that you out. go and like see what it was like for left-handed people like back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some other good bits there. Um, there's a steam-powered sort of fun fair. That's a good bit of it. So we've got like okay. all these uh, like Victorian steam-powered fun fair rides. Um, one of my teddy bears I had as a little kid got my dad got from there because it was a coconut shy. Do you have? Do you know what a coconut shy is? Mm-mm. It's where there's like coconuts on like a stick, and you got to throw balls at it to knock the coconut off. Okay. Yeah, um, my dad won a, a teddy bear for me there when I was a little baby, and it's called like Coco, a, like a carnival game. Yeah, that yeah there's like, exactly. actual coconuts. Actual coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we have similar games here, but just not with coconuts. It feels like a very British thing now. <laughs> yeah. Shall we eat these coconuts? Or we shall, shall we throw balls at them? Let's throw balls at them. <laughs> Balls it is. Uh, That sounds fun. I always love it when I see places that I have been like on screen. I haven't like I haven't been to a crazy a crazy number of places, but um, like I have I've done a tour of Croatia, and of course, like Game of Thrones. There's a lot of of Game of Thrones that's uh, shot throughout Croatia, so I saw a lot of that stuff. And then I went back and like watched the scenes uh to see the places that i had seen in person and um prague like every i saw what is the name of that stupid movie starring mila kunis which is about like her boyfriend who was a spy like the spy who left me or something like that it was the dumbest movie ever but it it was shot at least partially in prague and so i just spent the whole movie like i've been there like (laughs) it's just fun to see places that you have memories of on screen yeah the probably the weirdest one for me for that is have you seen the film that came out um last year or the year before uh blinded by the light yes that's filmed in luton that's basically where i live at the moment oh fun so i what i went to the premiere of that film in luton so they did like because it's because he the guy who uh, wrote the book it's based on um safraz manzur he's yeah. from luton berry park in luton so fun so he wrote a book called greetings from berry park which they tran- they, they they turned into this film and the screenplay so it's all shot in Luton, and I went to the, the not the they did like a London premiere, but like the following day they did a Luton premiere for people from Luton to enjoy the film filmed in Luton. And I was sat in the cinema, in Luton, and there's one scene you know when they're outside of the town hall doing a dancing. Yeah. When it's um they just ran out of school and there's people t- dancing outside that sort of uh, Art Deco town hall. Mm-hmm. To the right of that shot, you can get a glimpse of a cinema I was sat in at the time. Oh, that's cool. So it's like, I'm sat in that building. I can see on screen. <laughs> and just seeing all these places around, like, there's a this uh, little tunnel that goes, he, he rides through it on his bike. And we sometimes have to walk through there when we're in Luton to go to Sainsbury's, the supermarket. And it smells like wheat all the time. So we just call it, um, uh, wheat, uh, what do you call it? Dogweed tunnel. I think we call it something like that. Too funny. So I you see like... him ride his bike through there. And it's like, that's really weird seeing these places that I know quite well. The other weird yeah. thing about that film is it's the first date on that film, September the 3rd, 1987, my date of birth. Oh, you were meant to see this. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that listeners who are from 
like London or Toronto or uh, New York or something, you know, where lots of things are filmed. Or, I, mean, it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're probably like, isn't that quaint to hear them like <laughs> talk about how fun it is to see things that they pass by all the time or Vancouver, like a lot is shot in Vancouver, Canada. It's a stand in city for like American cities. They uh-huh. come and shoot here because it's cheaper, but they pretend it's different. Toronto stands in for New York often. Um but anyway, yeah, those listeners are probably like, okay, like, you guys are cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that that probably puts a pin in the 1998 song contest. It does. This is... Yeah, a good discussion, not a great contest, yeah, <laughs> in uh, my opinion. Great to talk about, but other than, like I say, that handful of my top five songs, boring. Yeah, I hear you. So what is our next song contest going to be, Chris? Right, so we're heading into spooky season, aren't we now? Oh, yes, we are. So I've decided we're going to watch 2006 Eurovision Song Contest from Greece. I'm not going to spoil it for you why we're approaching this one in spooky season, but it's a bit, okay. little bit spoopy. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I love I love a little spook. Yes. So the 2006 Eurovision Song Contest from Greece. Okay, well, I can't wait for that. Right then. Thanks so much. Yep. So until next time. Bye. Bye. La 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 la